Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. If you're struggling with drugs, alcohol, gambling or food, or concerned about somebody who is, tune in to The Living Free Show on 3CR at 1pm every Thursday. I don't know how I got there, but and I couldn't stop it. I had stopped expecting that anybody cared. Never enough. I'm never enough. It's never enough. He's never enough. That was the confusion. Tune in to Living Free, stories of recovery from addictive behaviour, Thursdays at 1pm on 3CR. Or listen at 3CR on digital radio or podcasts and live streaming on 3cr.org.au. Being able to centre myself and be okay in myself and turn my world around. Living free. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'm Anne, and with co-hosts Bill and Mitch, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We'd like to pay our respects to Elders past and present, and to acknowledge that sovereignty over this land was never ceded. Each week on The Living Free Show, we showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drug, alcohol, gambling, food and other addictions. Our guests share their recovery stories and highlight, highlight that shared experience saves lives. This week I'm joined in the studio by Tammy and today we're going to talk we're going to discuss how Tammy applies the 12 steps of recovery to her uh, recovery from food addiction. Welcome Tammy. Hello. <laughs> uh, we also have the lovely Mitch in the studio. Welcome Mitch. Hello man. Uh, okay Mitch is going to do all our tunes for us today so that's fantastic. And Yeah yeah we've got a few bangers lined up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so Tammy, we're just going to jump straight into the 12 steps and I'll just let the audience know that the 12 steps were started by AA but have come to be used all over the world for all sorts of different addictions because it turns out that we can be addicted to many, many different things. So Tammy, you've had to admit that you were perilous over food and that your life had become unmanageable. Yes. So uh, tell us what the unmanageability looked like between you and the food. Okay, so because I identify as a food addict, um, that means that I have, um, you know, like an eating disorder. So I have disordered thinking around food. So I always just thought that the way that I ate was uh, my own problem, that I just didn't have enough willpower or, you know. Once I learned that I'm actually a food addict, um, you know, uh, I love that we're doing the 12 steps today because uh, I just heard the other day that there's 400 different support groups now, you know. So the one that I'm a part of over is Anonymous is just we all use the 12 steps, you know. So um, so once I got into program, I realised I was powerless over food and that everyone in the Overeaters Anonymous program is too. And I was like, oh, thank God, it's not just me. So I knew there was bulimia, I knew there was anorexia, I knew there was exercise bulimia, um, you know, but I actually have binge eating disorder and I didn't, I thought I was the only person on planet Earth. That's how terminally unique we think we mm-hmm. are when we're addicts, you mm-hmm. know. Yep. So once I got in, um, step one, it's the, it's the only one we say in program that you do before you get to 
program because it's your whole life is the evidence that you're powerless over it. So there's nothing I didn't try, mate. There's no one in program who's not a food expert. There's nothing <laughs> I don't know about food. We investigate and study our whole lives. I've been on every single diet. I have tried. Let's. I spent 44 years trying to control it, you know. Mm. So when you get there, um, you're like, the, the step one, I oh, yes, I'm a mess when it comes to food. I am powerless over it. There's nothing I can do to control it. I can't eat like a normal person as much as I have at parade. And I didn't even believe in God, mate, when I first came in, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I tried and tried and tried, couldn't do it, so I was powerless. So unmanageability, they become two separate things when you study the steps. So unmanageability of food was just simply, I have this thing where if I start eating, it triggers an allergy where I get a compulsion, compulsive, obsessive thoughts and I can't stop. Like, you know how like normal people will say, oh, if I open a pack of Tim Tams, you know, you can have two and you pop them away and they're in the cupboard for two weeks. Mm. That ain't happening in my world, mate. So Um, It's like alcoholism. They say you've got a physical allergy to alcoholism. If you drink it, it triggers it where your brain cannot stop the obsession for wanting it. It's the same thing with me, you know. And can you walk us through some of those obsessive thoughts or give us examples of what they might look like in a situation where you are having one of your favourite foods or you were at the time? Yes. So we identify the very first thing we do when we come to program. So it's a 12-step program is a program of action. So you can't just turn up and whinge and bitch about how much poor me, I got the country blues, I hate food, I'm fat and blah, 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 you come in and you go, oh, I've got a disordered way of thinking. The synapses in my brain don't connect properly when it comes to food. Um, so now I work a 12-step program, you know. So for me, um, things like, so you have to identify what we call red light foods, which like, it's just say an alcoholic, a red light drink is alcohol. So they can still drink, they just can't drink alcohol. Mm. I have red light foods, so I have things like sugar is one of them. It's a, it's a big one for a lot of us. If I put any sugar in my body whatsoever, it triggers a compulsion in my brain where I will do nothing but in binge eat and I will kill a man to get that food, let me tell you, mate. And I will hide it and I will lie and I will cheat and I will... You know, I used to walk around and um, after, when I worked after school care with chocolate stuffed in my pockets, just sneaking little bits all the time. You just become this sneaky person who just eats all day, you know. Mm. The minute I got a food plan, which is what we do when we come in, you get a food plan and you put down your red light foods, I never ate sugar again. That was it because it's not on my plan. And when you don't put it in your body, you don't think about it. It's just how it works for sugar addicts, you know? And just one more part on step one. Mm. Uh, We were talking a little bit about the underlying spiritual principles behind each step. Mm. Now, for step one, it's honesty. So can you talk to us a little bit about your relationship with the word honesty and Mm. what it was like being honest with yourself at the time? Thank you so much. We learn in program, one of the first things you learn is that addicts are inherently dishonest and it's not our fault. We just can't see the truth and we can't see the reality. So seeing the truth, which is I'm a food addict and there's nothing I can do about it. That is the honest truth. I have problems with food. That is the honest truth. And once you can see that you don't do this, because what this is another way we present as well. We go on diets and then the second that we lose all the weight, we go, now I can eat like a normal person. That's not true for us. Mm-hmm. Once we find a program that works for us and we maintain a healthy body weight, we then have to stick to it. We don't become normal eaters. So the honest principle is you have to be honest straight up in a um, 12-step program for it to work, you know, for to get the best out of it. And no, she's nodding her head. So uh, if you can admit it and go, oh, let me just look at my shit show of a life before this. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. I do have problems with food. There's nothing 
that can be done. So that's the on. That's where we try and look at the reality of the situation. That's what that honesty principle honesty, means. Honesty, right? Yeah. So tell me when when you came. The, so the 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 word in the step is admitted, and that it's not easy to admit that yes. your life's a shit show, as yes. you put it. Um, had you admitted that before you came in, or did you have a bit of time afterwards where you had to come to terms with that? It's so funny because when you turn up, we're all the same. We go where there's a saying that says, we come for the vanity and we stay for the sanity. Yeah. So we're convinced as overeaters that if we were just thin, our life would be manageable. And that's the reason why we're single or fighting oh, with yeah. our partners mm, or yeah. hate our jobs or yeah. have no money or have credit card debt. That's We're convinced, you know. So when you come in, accepting that you are one is the hardest thing on God's green earth to do, mate, um, because you don't want to be one because it's the unsexy addiction too. Like no one wants to be a food addict, mate, because it's uncool, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it, any other addiction is cooler than this one. You know, it's, it's yeah. almost like an embarrassing addiction. Okay, you know? so you think the stigma's still there where it's it's not there as much for an alcoholic? Is that, is, is, do you think there's a certain, sti- a different kind of stigma in I our society? I guess there aren't uh, right rock songs about, you know, um, food addiction per se. <laughs> uh, heroin, uh, yeah, 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 true. Yeah, it's just yeah. my opinion, but what, because this is what I thought before I realised food was a food addiction, you know, for people like me, I thought all those other people could control it too. I thought anorexics should just eat. I thought yeah, people yeah. who just believe it should just stop throwing out. I thought people who binge ate should just stop. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until I was in it till I was like, oh, well, if I thought that and I am one, what's yeah. a poor normal person going to think? Yeah. Normal people go, hey, mate, why don't you just put the fork down and back away from the table and you'll mm. be right. You know, so... It's a, yeah, but that's just an opinion about what the whole world thinks of food addicts. Mm. And the truth is what I've learnt is no one cares. Normal people don't judge or have opinions about other people. Oh, well, I'll I'll challenge that. There's a Mm. lot of fat shaming. You know, there's fat shaming out there, Mm. but there's not uh, alcoholic shaming really. Mm. Like it's it's really cool to go out on the weekend and get completely wasted amongst certain groups. Yes. But I don't know any, it's not really cool to sit around binge eating, is it? Not really. Or, you know, that person that, you know, that does go out and get wasted or that's, that's just them, you know, you know, that's what they're like when they're on the piss. Yeah, say, yeah, you know, yeah. Which is why excuses. I think it's like the sexier addiction. Y- y- yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly. But, so when, and when you say, thank you for challenging that, because when you say there is fat shaming, what I actually said was normal people don't care. A human who wants to judge another person yeah. and judge them isn't normal. No, they as far as you're... A, yeah, a terrible, they're off, hard life themselves. They're off track somehow oh, if yeah. they think that's... Life's so. hard enough, mate. You do you, I'll <laughs> do me. I'll not have opinions about everyone else. That's know? right. Yeah. That's right. Um, all right, so before we get off that step, uh, what did you have a rock bottom? Was there a point of oh. unmanageability where you said, I just I can't do it anymore? I was anymore. so lucky because when I came in, I was 44 and I had binge eaten every day for two years. Like I could not stop. I used to be able to diet and go up and down. I was one of those people who had those wardrobe from size 8 to 24 and I could at any time, mate, pop in and whatever I was. So, um, yeah, so when I came in, I was broken. And the more broken you are, mate, the easier it is to do the 12 steps and get recovered without question. So I couldn't stop it. So I was desperate. So when I came in and I heard my story, because that's what we do, we share and you tell your story. And when I heard it, I just cried. And I was like, I am not the only one. Other people in the world have problems with food. Who knew? But I'm home now and I'm okay. okay. But you see people who don't have the gift of desperation and it takes them years to get a sponsor and do the steps, you know. So rock bottom is a good thing in in an addict program. Yep, absolutely. So uh, gift of desperation, it's it's an acronym for G-O-D. Yeah. Uh, Mm. And that takes us uh, right on to step two. Uh, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So I think we've already talked about sanity. We're not talking actually about a mental 
we're not talking about uh, one of the labels like schizophrenia or yes. bipolar disorder where you have to go to hospital. Yes. Uh, uh, so it's not def- it's not insanity in a clinical sense. Mm-hmm. Certainly, insanity isn't it? What you've just described is insanity. Yes, the behaviours. Uh, yeah, insane. yeah, yeah, and yeah. the obsession and the compulsion. Uh, so that's what we mean. Is there anything else we mean by sanity in that step, or is that it? Well, when come to restore us to sanity, I remember when I did this step the first time. I was like, I don't feel like I've ever been sane, you know. Mm. So I never knew what sanity felt mm. like. Addicts are always like. Oh, but if I could just be blonde, then I'd be okay. If I could just have big boobs, then I'd be okay. If I could just yeah. have a boy love me, then I'd be okay. Yeah. I've been insane all my life, you know. Yeah. So, and we catastrophize things. We're very dramatic, and if the boss calls you in for a meeting, it means you're going to get fired. Like we just make everything, you know, <laughs> lunatic, insane. You know, is the way we think. So when we come in and then you work the 12 steps, you become sane and it's the very first time you ever become sane. So you're like, oh, this is what normal people think. The boss just called me in for a meeting. I wonder what he wants. That's what normal people are doing. Who knew? But that's Mm. what I think now Mm. instead of going, well, this is the end. But also what a barrier to entry because that's something that you've not experienced before in your Mm. mental state and your day-to-day. So that takes some getting used to definitely at first, right? Yes, and it's the reason why, you know, people think, uh, you know, you're going to, it's a quote in the big book, we're going to be a glum lot, that they think once you get rid of alcohol or, you know, drugs or food that you're going to be boring. Mm. But being sane means you're peaceful, you're calm, you just act like a, you just react to things in a normal way. Life on life's terms is a big one, what we say. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, Mitch turned up and Mitch said that. Okay, Mitch, thanks for that. Instead of going, well, I think what Mitch should have done is, like we do a lot of that as addicts. So this calmness that comes with sanity is just an absolute relief, you know. And I almost think within that kind of um, description comes control and with peace Mm. and calmness comes a sense of control and that kind of leads us back into believing in a power greater than yourself Mm. and giving up that control in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that and that hope that comes with that? I was very lucky. This one was the easiest step for me. So all the steps are crucial, Uh, absolutely. Step two says, came to believe in a power greater than yourself that could restore me to sanity. When you go to any 12-step meeting, there are always recovered people in that room. There are people who have worked the 12 steps and there is living evidence of what a human being can look like as a recovered person who walks through the world. And let me tell you, they're a goddamn pleasure, those humans, you know, to Mm. be around. They're not judgmental. They're not controlling. They're just, it's beautiful, you know. So the evidence of step two comes from the evidence of recovered people in the room. So came to believe, and now they actually say a power greater than them is what restored them to sanity. And the beautiful thing is, all you have to do is believe in a power greater than you, which the opposite of that means or Tammy's tiny little addicty human brain is the greatest power in the universe, you've got to be kidding me. Like, mm. there's no way. If my brain, if there's nothing higher than my brain, we are all in trouble, Mitch, let me tell you, mate. <laughs> so is there anything greater than me? I'm not even the most important person in this room, mate. I'm not the most important person in this street. Is there a power greater than me? You better believe there is, you know? And it doesn't matter what it is. It just matters that I didn't create the universe. Something else did, and it's outside of me. Boom. But yeah. step two becomes easy. I'm, I'm just uh, inspired to um, read out a little bit of uh, Nick Cave's Red Hand Files. Nick Cave uh, X, um, well, Nick Cave's still Nick Cave, <laughs> singer, um, and he's uh, had a lot of grief. Uh, he's a recovered, uh, recovering heroin addict, and uh, he puts out a, a, a newsletter called The Red Hand Files, um, and people write in their questions, and he 
um, answers them. And today I got I got in my inbox uh, a cop uh, the newsletter and um, someone has written into Nick Cave saying I overdosed a few months ago. Ever since then, it feels like I've hit my expiration date and my life is meaningless. Is it ever possible for me to um, feel happy? I'm, actually, it's just um, I've lost a thing there. Is it ever possible for me to uh, connect to not only myself but to the world and people around me again? And Nick says this really profound stuff. He says, "Hey, before you even read that, yeah, yeah. we just on a Nick Cave and the gift of words that man has. Oh, I know well how, oh, yeah. how incredible that he's using that now to be able to. He's going to say something poetic and beautiful. Well, here. wait it's to hear to it. That's oh, what right. I. That's why I'm inspired to do it. Maybe you could line up a Nick Cave tune. I can do that for when we that. play that in a minute. Yeah. Okay, he says, "Dear Zara, I don't know if the, I don't know the circumstances of your overdose." But if it is related to drug dependency, then my experience, in my experience, people don't usually overdose just once. They tend to overdose a couple of times, then all too often die. With that in mind, my advice to you is to get clean. One simple way to start doing this is to go to Narcotics Anonymous. And then now the poetry starts, I'm saying. Nick says, if you persevere, in time you will have an entirely different problem. Not that life is meaningless, but rather that life has almost too much meaning. As the scales fall from your eyes, the world rushes into focus, presenting itself with a kind of vibrational eloquence that can at first be almost overwhelming. Everything shimmers, everything clarifies, everything wrestles for your attention. Trees feel super real, their roots plunged into the earth, their branches stretching to the sky. Birds are flesh and blood souls, fragile with life. The sky unfolds and rolls, the ocean crashes, people fascinate, books are beautiful, children are whirling dynamos of chaos. Dogs bark and nicks, uh, cats meow, flowers shout, your neighbour your neighbor glows and God runs like a helix through all things. The world awaits you, humming with meaning. You are alive with potential. You are not dead. And then he says something really cool. Uh, and this is typical of the way we talk in the 12th, especially in AA. I don't know about it in OA. So, Zara, a few things you need to do. Stop fucking around and get your shit together. <laughs> it's the kind of thing they say. They used to say in AA. I don't know if they still do. Get clean and don't die. Love, Nick. What a closer. Yeah. What a way to close that out, right? Yeah. That is also, like, they, they, uh, like that, let's just talk about Russell Brand for a second, his book on recovery. He rewrites the 12 steps and the first one says, are you fucked? <laughs> yes. And the second one says, can you unfuck yourself? No. Mm. Like, it's, and I love direct language. That's yeah. why I call myself a food addict. He's not wrong, mate. She's going to die, you know. A, yeah. An addict is you're going to die. die. Are you going to get, you're going to get yeah. much, much better than you ever thought possible? They're the options for if you do the steps. For a food addict, like, so my personality five years ago, had you met me, I used to go to bed every single night and I didn't believe in God then. I've already said it before. And I used to pray. I don't mind if you take me now in my sleep because I am done and I've had enough. Every single night mm. I was like, please don't let me wake up tomorrow. Mm. I never smiled. I never laughed. I was a miserable, self-centered, selfish human being who hated everyone. I used to say four million people live in Melbourne and I only like four of them. <laughs> my personality is completely yeah. different now yeah. and that's my um, experience of what Nick said. Yeah. Um, your, per- my per- your personality becomes different because now you want to live. So you're like, oh, and you realise that 
that living is. Like this morning I went for a walk and I saw a flower that I've never seen before. I'm 49 years old and I was like, holy crap, how did I not know that flower existed? Mm. And I stopped and I stared at it and we do shit like that, mm. recovered people, you mm. know. We're like, "Are you? I live here, I've taken this walk every day and I've never seen this. Wow, how many more miracles are there out there today that I'm going to see, you know. And so we do, we want to live when we spend so much time wanting to die, you know, so. And we're going to play a Nick Cave song, but before we get to that, I think that was one person for every million in Melbourne <laughs> that you liked. Four out of the... Uh, <laughs> one of the million, million right? See, and now there's two in this very room. There you go. And Mitch, so we're good. That's recovery. All right, this is uh, Into My Arms, the 2011 remastered version uh, by Nick Cave. We're having a little bit of trouble getting Nick loud enough for you to hear him, so we're just going to play something else. Left after breakfast. 38 years of information, insights, analysis and opinion. Just plain old common sense, really. 8.30am on Fridays. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Be a part of your community radio station. Soviet Union, a scientist is blinded by the resumption of nuclear testing and he is reminded that Dr. Robert Oppenheimer's optimism fell at the first hurdle. Only noise I hear is the sound of someone stacking chairs and mopping up spilled beer, and someone asking questions and basking in the light of the 15 fame filled minutes of the fanzine writer. Mixing pop and politics. He asks me what the use is I offer him embarrassment For my usual excuses While looking down the corridor Out to where the van is waiting I'm looking for the great leap forward Jumbo sales are all There's still parties to be hosted You can be active with the activists Or sleeping with the sleepers While you're waiting for the great leap forwards Oh, one leap forwards, two leaps back Will politics get me to sack Waiting for the great leap forwards Well, here comes the future and you You're listening to a 3CR podcast 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.
Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Put some money on white down rock and roll from top of the pops to drawing it down your This is The Living Free Show on 3CR 855 kilohertz on your AM radio dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, That obviously wasn't Nick Cave because we had a bit of trouble, but we'll get Nick Cave on for the next... uh our next break, I think. If you'd like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also phone us via... Uh, you can also phone us by the, via phone uh, and you can also contact us by email or Twitter. Um, and that was Billy Bragg, by the way, I should say. Um, I'm talking today with Tammy... Uh, Mitch and I are talking with Tammy, who has uh, lived experience of food addiction and is recovering with the help of Overeaters Anonymous and the 12 Steps. So we've talked about step one and two. Now we're going to stop talk about step three. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And because it was written in 1930, as we understood him, with a capital H, but we don't think he's a him, do we, Tammy, or do you? People can think whatever they want. That's the beautiful part about step three, mate. Absolutely. No one cares. It's none of my business what other people say. If they want to call him him, you can write on ahead. I'll, call him I'll do me, you know. Yeah, That's yeah. the beautiful part. That yeah, yeah. In 12-step programs, we don't judge anyone else's story. Like, yeah. we learn not to. We're, that's part of it, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, but you, just so you know, mine's not a him either. So, you know. <laughs> but it's also not a her. So no, no, no. You know, yeah. Genderless. What is, can you talk a little bit about what it is then for you? Yeah, so it's um, is this topic I really like because God is the the way step three is worded. It just says make a decision to turn your life over to something else. And then it says in italics, and when they created the big book to put words in italics means they had to pay more. So they meant have a look at this. It's the thing we need you to know the most. Mm-hmm. And it says as we un- as you understand him. So your understanding of the power that's greater than you, the power that's outside of you, can be anything as you understand him. No one else's, as none of anyone else's business, you know. So that's the beautiful part. So in the big book, so in more than half the people when the big book was written went there hating God because it's not a religious program. We don't follow, none of us are religious. We don't follow any religion. You might work a 12-step program and be an addict and have a religion too. Great, bonus for you, you know. I don't have one and it's not God, the one that was written in Jesus in the Bible. That's not what they're saying. They're saying just find something else. In the big book. Um, Say what the big book is, Tammy. Oh, so the Alcoholics Anonymous is where the 12 <laughs> steps are, we call it, you know, the big book. So it's the premise of all 12-step programs, you know. So ours is the same. It's based off the big book. So that's where the 12 steps are. And it's where the founders, you know, where they tell their story of how they actually became the first people to create a 12-step program that did make people recovered, you know. It says in the big book that, you know, these people were born in the late 1800s, mate, you know. It was written in 1930s and they formulated something, some might say by the grace of God, (laughs) by a power greater than themselves, you know, Um, and they wrote this, they they went through the 12 steps themselves, became recovered, never picked up a drink again for the rest of their lives, you know, and over 100 men and women at the time of the printing of the book in the 30s also had recovered. Like, if you have an addiction and you come in and you follow a 12-step program to the letter... You, you have a very big high chance of recovery. There's recovered people everywhere, you know. Um, so, yeah, with the God thing, it was just uh, I heard someone describe it as G-O-D, good orderly design, um, direction. 
Um, so my, I've got a sponsee who calls it Gus, uh, the great universal spirit. Oh. In the big book, these are the different terms they use. I do this all the time. I actually wrote this out on a beautiful poster myself and, you know, created it in all these colours and stuff. These are the different terms in the big book you can use for God. They just wrote the word God. They could have written anything there, mate. So and there's another one they describe it. You can call it the spirit of the universe, the realm of love, my creator, the one with a capital O, the power greater than me, higher power. It says God is love and direction. That's what it actually is, universal mind, spirit of nature. So it's like it's a lazy man's way of thinking to say, oh, I'm not coming to a 12-step program because I don't believe in God because you don't have to. There's no, We don't ask you to believe in religion. We ask you to get outside your selfish, self-centered little brain because that's what addicts are, mate. They think it's all about us and just think, could there be anything bigger than me? And if you can do that, and here's the two choices I've got. I either believe something's bigger than me or I'm a miserable asshole. So mm-hmm. there's the two choices I walk through life with. It's easy to choose which one, you know? And just for people out there that don't even fathom what it's like to have a higher power in their life, uh, are you able to give us some context on whether or not you were raised religious and your journey uh, to developing that higher power for yourself? You know, when you're at your lowest, what did that kind of look like, if anything at all? Yeah, so growing up, I was raised Catholic. And because I was also an addict, I used to think, how come those people who go to church don't talk to me? How come afterwards no one Mm. wants to invite me to a barbecue? How come if you're also godlike, then why aren't you being kind to me? So I've learned, by the way, that that was me. Like I was very standoffish and I wouldn't have invited me to a barbecue either, you know. Um, so yeah, so people, so I always, you know, grow up, yeah, um, having that religion and, you know, um, we, we like to call ourselves non-practicing Catholics, the great majority of people who were raised Catholic, you know, so Mm. you raised it, but it doesn't mean anything, you know, and there's a part in the big book that's so beautiful because it says, look at the world's religious, look at every religion and take from it what you can. What are the religious people doing that are right? They are praying, which means they're talking out to something outside of themselves and they're saying, please help me, I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. And they are also experiencing miracles, like miracles being, I saw a new flower this morning. That's what a miracle is, mate. It's no bigger than that, you know. Um, so yeah, so, uh, there's a lot of religious people who come into program who have a trouble because they've already got a God and you have to reinvent it because what the 12 steps are are actually spiritual principles. So they ask you to live a certain way if you live a 12 step life. So principle one is honesty. I have to tell the truth at all times. And let me tell you, that is brutally hard. Like I will tell a story and exaggerate it at all times. And I have to say, oh, whoops, by the way. You know, oh, my God, I didn't get any sleep the other night. That simply isn't true, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But So then I actually have to say, oh, oh, whoops. Um, yeah, I did. It was just on and off and it was sporadic and I, maybe I got five hours. Like, we yeah. lie all the time. Because you want to convey the sentiment of what you're saying more so than what actually happened. Or yes, what? but addicts have. We have to tell the truth. It's for the principle they ask us to live by first, you know. Uh-huh. And then so then the God stuff becomes and then there's one for perseverance. Like, so I think that's around step 10, you know. And it says, you know, you every single single day I have to do the same thing when Anne knows because she works a 12-step recovery program too I wake up and every morning I have to write and I have to do a step 10 and I have to do the on awakening and I have to write out prayers and prayers are just things like I'll just say to my creator please help me today and direct my thinking please help me to you know be honest please help me to see the world as it is please help me to stop making up stories please help me to live life on life's terms we have to do stuff I have to sponsor people I have to have a sponsor Um, I have to turn up to meetings for emotional stuff 
flexibility. Um, I have to, uh, in the afternoon, I've got to set a four o'clock alarm and meditate. Like mm. there's stuff we've got to do. And so it's perseverance. So living the spiritual life means we have to live the principle of that of those 12 steps. And they've all each got one. Yeah. And that's how we, that's how we connect to a higher power. You know? Sure. Yeah. And um, shall we go to step four? Uh, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Mate, this is my favourite one because yeah. at, 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 I'm going to talk on behalf of all addicts everywhere. <laughs> Our favourite subject is ourselves, mate. You know, this is the thing. This is why we have three-minute shares in meetings and they're timed. So you, <laughs> got you, so you have to stop, you know? Thumbs up. So step four is where the most people relapse and it's where the most people leave program. It's the hardest step to do because you have to look at your own life and you have to look at your part in it. By the time an addict gets to program, we're so angry and we're so resentful and we're so pissed off with all the things that happened when that boy in grade five looked at me funny. I'm not even kidding. That was one of mine, you know. Mm. We get, we're so mad at everything that happened to us. Then we have to look at our part in it. Oh, Tammy, do you remember when the boy in grade five came towards you and then you got all shy and embarrassed because you thought he was so good looking, couldn't speak to him. And so then he, like, you have to look at your actual side of the stuff that went wrong all the way through your life. And then you find that you played a part in every single bit of it. And I find, uh, or I feel like that's difficult for anyone, let alone someone experiencing so much uh, grief and trauma, like an addict and an addict in recovery. Mm. Um uh, yeah, so searching and fe- uh, fearless. Can you talk to us about like fearless and what that word means? Yes, so searching and fearless, it means you, you write down everything. You write down every single person you've ever been mad at <laughs> and then you write down why you're mad at them. Um, and so you're fearless, like you be brave. You write down everyone and you search and you go through and you have 103 people on your first step four, you know, and I just did a step four for the fourth time around. Um, and you have way less on it, you know, by the time you, you know, resolve all the anger. So you've got to be fearless. You've got to be brave. You've got to get right in there with the ones that you don't want to do or the stuff you thought you were going to take to your grave because no human was ever going to know, you know, and you and you write it down and you get it out there, you know. And the beautiful thing is, you know, that line we use, we're not terminally unique. There's nothing that I've done that anyone else hasn't done. Like we all are, all humans have, you know, very similar human experiences, you know, so I'm not that exciting, but... I played a part in every single thing that's ever happened to me without question, you know? Mm. Mm. And I feel like sometimes we've almost got the tendency to um, throw a pity party or, you know, to, you know, say that this is not... Well, these things are happening to us, but, you know, we're the victim in this situation. And that's such a hard thing to overcome sometimes. Yeah, and pity, we're not allowed to have self-pity. That's the thing. Self-pity is and made to sponsor someone who's got self-pity. It's the hardest one. It's harder than having a big ego where you think you know everything mm. because self-pity is so brutal. And we say pity party in OA will end in cake and a pity party in OA, pour me, pour me, pour me a drink in AA, you know. Mm. Self-pity is something we can't live with, so we have to get it out and get rid of it, you know. So, But you're right, our lives are like a country and western song, ding, 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 you know. Like we're all like I when I came into OA I hated my childhood and I said to Mum I had a terrible childhood and she said I'm sorry you feel that way darling I don't feel that way about my childhood anymore because now I can see it for the truth of what it was and I was like sorry about that and she said I didn't care I knew you had a great childhood I was the one who was in it with you mate we had a great time you know so you get so much self pity that it blocks you from it's that's what we say in the big book we're so angry and we're so pitying that step four stops all that gets rid of it all and then it says in the big book so that the the sunlight of the spirit can come through when you get rid of anger and you get rid of fear you can see life 
uh, for how beautiful life really is, you know, and how complex it is and how brutal it is. And we just see it that it's, it is what it is, you know. That harkens back to what Nick Cave was saying about there being conversely so much meaning, too much meaning in the world, mm. right? You know, it's the opposite of being meaningless, mm. right? There's so much to deal with and account for and oh, it's the beauty in it's it, a I big, like. wild, you know, place. Now, they, that... That step four, it's such an uncommon thing for people to do naturally because it's so mm. obvious what other people are doing wrong. It's so obvious to see other people's faults, but it's not obvious to see your own. So it, it really is uh, difficult and you've got to be fearless and you've got to be, you know, be ha- prepared to accept what you find. But you can't just sit with that on your own. So this is where step five comes in because we say, you know, you're only as sick as the secrets that you keep. 100%. And so getting rid of that, that shame, because that shame will make you eat or drink or whatever your, yes. your choice is. Not choice, but whatever your addiction mm. is. So um, uh, I think you talked to it the last time you were on in quite a bit of depth about that. But if you can just quickly do that, say what step five is, and then we'll move on to step six. Absolutely. So with step five, and this is the thing, when you come into OA, this is my experience with it, you're not allowed to do the program alone. I've never met a single recovered person who did it by themselves. It doesn't work that way. It is a fellowship. You have to get a sponsor and you have to be guided through the 12 steps. So they guide you through step four. So it's no problem. So then step five, you then tell that person everything that you discovered in step four. But by the time you get to step five, mate, you're in love with your sponsor. You can't believe there's this recovered person who gives you all this time. And it's an honour and privilege to tell them all the deep, dark secrets of your life, you know. And there's actually a funny that we actually have a prayer that um, sponsors who have been around for a very long time say where they go into a step five and they say, please, God, let me hear something I haven't heard before. Because there's no confession we ever make. You think you've killed a pup? I know someone who kills You know what I mean? There's nothing interesting in a What an example. Right? Yeah. I heard it the other day on an AA podcast. Love it. Uh, we're going to go to another break um, I'll, and then uh, we might hear a bit of Nick Cave this time. Put on a few announcements first and then we'll get on to a bit of Nick Cave and then we'll, we'll be back for the last segment of our show. When you compare an old growth forest compared to a forest which is regrowing after a disturbance like logging, they're actually quite different ecosystems. Generally, like older, wetter forests slow down the path of fire, and this is actually quite a well-known phenomenon. Historically, these big, large fires have been quite rare, but what we've seen in the last 20 years is they're becoming quite a lot more common. So we've had three in the last 20 years. This is definitely because of climate change, which is making our ecosystems a lot drier and the fire weather more intense. We need to keep Radical Voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. All right, we're going to try and give you a bit of Nick Cave now. So how are we going? I don't believe in an interview. 
interventionist God But I know, darling That you do But if I did I would kneel down And ask him Not to intervene When it came to you Well not to touch a hair In your head Leave you as you are If he felt he had to direct you And direct you into my arms Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms of angels Looking at you I wonder if that's true But if I did I would summon them together And ask them to over you Well to each burn a candle for you to make bright and clear your path and to walk like Christ in grace and love and guide you into my arms Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms, oh Lord, into my arms. But I believe in love, and I know that you. I believe in some kind of path Though we can walk down me and you So keep your candles burning Make a journey bright and pure That you'll keep returning Always and evermore Into my arms, oh Lord, into my arms, oh Lord, into my arms, oh Lord, into my arms. So that really was uh, Nick Cave that time. So um, thanks for doing that, Mitch. Um, we're just talking about uh, how Nick Cave's not really an upbeat kind of um, 
Not really. It was like, you know, the subject matter of the show. Let's switch it up and throw to something a little bit more uh, light. And Nick Cave. <laughs> so finish on something Reflection. a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And we're talking with Tammy about recovery from compulsive eating by living according to the 12 steps. And they're originally from AA, but are now common to many recovery programs. And just before the break, we got up to step six. Um, tricky one for me. This one has always been, but I've finally kind of cracked it. But I'm interested to hear what you say. So um, step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. How do you do that? So first of all, you identify what your defects are, and that's done in four and five with a sponsor. So someone guides you through it. So you find out what your defects are. So And then you have to be willing to want it to get rid of it so that you can change it. So a common defect, for example, is gossip. So when I finish a team meeting at work, all I want to do, let's hope no, my work never hears this, <laughs> and all I want to do is hang up, then ring my work wife and and bitch about the people and what just happened to that meeting. I love gossiping. I want to talk to my mum about my sisters. I want to talk to my sister about the other sisters. I've spent a lifetime gossiping. But to be a recovered person, I am not allowed to gossip because it leads down a slippery slope back to hell, you know, back to living in the disease instead of living in recovery and the solution. So you have to say, do I want to give up gossip? No, mate, I don't. Okay, so you pray for the willingness. Please help me to be willing to want to. Please help me to be willing to want to. And then one day you go, you know what? It's not working for me anymore. I hate myself every time I do it. I don't want to gossip anymore. I'm ready now. Can you please remove it? And then in step seven, you what we actually do is act our way out of it so the way to not gossip is to not gossip Mm. so and every time you catch yourself doing it you ring a sponsor and you'll be like okay let's have a look why do i want to gossip now it's because and whenever we want to gossip mate it's because we always find something unacceptable about what the other person just did in the world according to tammy i would prefer if you didn't send an email that looked like that and i feel frustrated and i need to vent that frustration So yep. acceptance is the key, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, you sent that email. You could send whatever email you want. You're a grown-ass woman. So, yeah. you know, I don't, you know. So, yeah, so you have to be willing to want to let go of it, want to let go of self-righteousness. I think I'm right all the time. It's a very common addict trait, you know. So if I say something, it's because I believe it's true, you know. And, mate, it can't, you know, there's millions of different versions of the truth, you know. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to be self-righteous anymore. I don't want to, you know, think that I know the answer when someone's talking uh, my favourite thing used to be to stop, uh, wait and wait and wait till someone had stopped talking so I could jump and tell them how they should live their life. And I mean, I couldn't even live my own life. So how the hell would I know how someone else would live theirs? It's like self-righteousness and controlling. I don't want to live like that anymore. It's a brutal way to live and it's a very shitty friendship thing to do. Oh, and thank you for telling me about your husband. Now let me tell you what you should do about mm. it. Like, you know, please God, give me the willingness to not want to be controlling and self-righteous anymore. That's what six means for me. Yeah, yeah. Um what it means for me is that um, if I'm going to get rid of all my defects and and um, they're really helpful to me, you know, procrastination helps me not have to do any work. Yes. Um, gossip, you know, helps me uh, whatever, vent, vent or whatever. So these the defects are all useful and they were developed for a reason and they, they work for that reason. So um, hell for me is a day where I'm in all of my defects. So um, mm. my defects are off the top of my head. Some of them are indecision. Mm-hmm. Uh, procrastination, perfectionism, um, oh, 
judging, judgmentalism, myself and other people. Yeah. So if I'm doing all of them, I've got about 12 of them written on bits of paper, mm. uh, it's not a good day. Mm. So, um, I know. <laughs> a, a, a good day is when I'm not doing any of those ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, but getting entirely ready for me was thinking, well, how am I going to get by in the world without them? Yes. Well, so I have to have something to do instead. Yes. So while you're not procrastinating, yes. what are you going to do instead? Yes. Uh, and one of the little things I do is, well, I could just sit down at the desk and do a little bit of work for 15 minutes yes. maybe. Yes. That could be something instead of procrastinating. It's the opposite of it, mate. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. And uh, instead of being uh, perfectionistic and thinking I've got to do this whole job all right now to a perfect standard, I could just do 15 minutes of this job. So you got to, you actually got to find little ways of um, managing yourself really. So absolutely. You, and you, but you have to first of all know what it is. You do. That, that, that you do. <laughs> yeah, and you've got to that time, find out out in four and five. Yeah. Defects, and then you yeah. see, and then you decide if they're working for you still or not. So yeah. it might not be working for you. Procrastination might still be working for you. It might be a defect you want to keep. You know? Oh, no, thank you. You know, or you can be like, okay, I'll act my way out of this. Perhaps, so, perhaps I'll sit here and do 15 minutes worth of work. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's the opposite of procrastinating. Mm-hmm. Like procrastinating doesn't mean jump up now and do 10 hours worth of work. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that. It means do something, mm-hmm. anything, a tiny mm-hmm. thing, and you're doing that and then that immediately gets you out of it, mm-hmm. you know. So. And you're free to procrastinate if you want. Absolutely. That's another thing. It's my defect yeah. and I will do. I will indulge in it if I feel like. For you. Yep. you go right ahead. Yep. And uh, <laughs> step seven, um, Tammy, can you talk to us a little bit about what the word humility means to you? So I've learned from pro. Program. Everything I know is from program. So if I, if I ever say anything in the world according to Tammy, it's all made up, mate. So, you know, this program, <laughs> humility means um, to be humble means to see the truth about yourself. I am a food addict. I do procrastinate. I am judgmental. All of these things are true. And then the humility also means I don't know anything. I have this tiny little finite human brain and there are hundreds of ways to solve any problem. And just because I've decided that it should go this way doesn't mean life was not going to make it go a hundred different ways. So you look at everything as a nice surprise when you're humble. You're like, Mm. I go into a situation now and go, I don't know how this is going to roll. I don't know how today's radio show is going to roll. How would I? I'm not God. I'm not psychic, mate. So, but so that's then, okay. Oh, it's not only is it okay, it's true. Mm. You know? It's true, yeah. And <laughs> then everything becomes this nice little delight. So you and Anna both said these all these beautiful little things that I wasn't expecting and they've all been lovely and thought-provoking. And, you know, so humility means I don't know what's going to happen, but I look forward to finding out, you know. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think that's exactly what Nick Cave. This is all about Nick Cave today, isn't it? Oh, you! I, love it. I love it. I think that's exactly what he was he was saying. If you, you know, that's what um, you're going to get to if you're humble enough to think you don't know anything. Yes. Perhaps a new world will open up to you, and you'll yes. and you'll see stuff that you wouldn't have found if yes. you just kept in your own little track and relied on that the bra- this brain that you think so bloody wonderful but in fact it's not (laughs) you know what is it eight billion of us or something yeah we're just one of many maidens yeah chances are you're not the one who knows everything i actually worked with kids with autism years ago and we were doing subtraction and the teacher taught it this way and so i was like okay this is how i'm going to teach you and he said oh i can do that two different ways other than that Mm. i was like show me and he did it and it and so from that moment on i was like oh, there's so many different ways you can do things. Mm. I, in my own self-righteous yeah. brain, only think there's one. Yeah. So that taught me, it's like, no, the, it can go any way, man. And it might be the student that teaches the teacher. Oh, That's right. I love yeah. that. And on that, you know, I hear all the time um, 
trying to harken back to that childlike sense of curiosity and that wonderment for the world. And I think that's what you were just saying in terms of being humble enough to understand that the way you think things are run or the way you think things should be done, if you just open yourself up to the possibility that that's not the case, like a child does when they're learning what the world is like, Yes. You can experience so much. And life on life's terms, that's one of our big ones, which means you turn up and you see what life's got to throw at you today, you know, Mm -hmm. and the way it's going to present itself and you're always, always delighted, you know. So you talk to the person in the Coles queue behind you that you wouldn't have talked to before because you were too busy in your own head, you know. So, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, We'll just jump now. So that was step seven. Humbly ask God to remove the shortcomings. Um, and yeah, so then we, we move on and this is the one that you went into in a lot of depth last time, making a list of persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then go and make the direct amends, mm-hmm. except when it's going to cause further injury. Can you just talk to that just for a few minutes? Well, first of yeah. all, I love that you remember what I said because I can't remember what I said for one <laughs> single second and I'm leaving to you today. I won't remember a single thing I said either. So I love that you can. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very simple because you follow it directly. It says made a list of all people were harmed. Okay. Then become willing to make amends to all. Please help me to want to say sorry to dad, you know, even though I haven't spoken to him for 20 years. That's all it is. That's step eight. And you might never apologize to that person. You're just going to pray for the willingness to do it. So you're in the process now of becoming willing. Absolutely. And either you will make, uh, you will make amends to him or you won't. And, And you haven't, you don't have to decide that today. No, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a beautiful thing. It makes you be realistic about your, you're not hiding anything on your step eight list. Yeah. You're like, I did harm all these people. I might say I'm sorry and I might not. Doesn't matter. The list is what they're asking for. On that and number eight. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's a lovely thing about the program it's not uh, everything all at once yes the steps are in a nice order and they they ask you just to get ready yes and then do get ready then do. absolutely yeah. at, your thing, at your own pace at your own pace as you go along you might do the step six times before you make the amends that you wrote in step one yep. for one person you know yep. so russell brand's got that one where he it took him 15 years to go back to mtv to apologize for stealing all their cab chair ch- <laughs> charges, you know <laughs> so yeah it's it is what it is mate it's okay yeah yeah um, all right, and then we're on to the last three steps. Um, and these always, to me, feel like, you know, this is the kind of lifestyle, this sort of maintenance. Keep taking an inventory of yourself. Keep being aware of where your defects are at play. Then do a bit of prayer and medication, meditate, not medication, med- or medication <laughs> if you want yeah. to. Uh-huh. Um, prayer and meditation uh, to keep that contact going with the higher power. And then having had a spiritual awakening. Try. Will we just talk about all of that at once? Or, yeah, sure. Yeah. Ten means do the work every day, and you know, as Nick would say, stop dicking around about it. Just get yeah. it done. So yeah. okay. And I have a sponsor who I'm not allowed to not send the nightly inventory, or she won't sponsor me. So therefore, I'm forced to do the ten steps every day. <laughs> so every day, I sort out my shit. That's what it is. You know, who do I have to say sorry to today? Yeah. What did I do wrong? Yeah. You also look at the good things you did. Eleven. Um, improve your conscious contact with the power greater than yourself means working the steps. Like, how can I be honest today? How can I persevere today? You know. So we, you know, we meditate on a daily basis. People who are recovered, absolutely. 
And then there's 12, mate, the big one. I, my favourite, I love the wording of 12 because it says, and this goes with your whole Nick Cave theme that you brought up today. So um, 12 says, having had a spiritual awakening. Now, just so you know, in the big book, it says a spiritual awakening is a personality change sufficient enough to recover from your addiction. That's what a spiritual awakening is, a personality change. Um, so having had a spiritual awakening as the result of, as the result of these steps, that's the only result you get. You get a personality change. It's the result of the 12 steps. It's not the result of steps three, seven, and four. It mm-hmm. is the result of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You've got to do all of them and do them properly. Then as the result of that, you get a spiritual awakening, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as the result, it's the only result you get of these steps, we then now go off and share it to other people. So then we do service. So this is service today. When you ask me to go on a radio show, there is this great hope that there may just be one human being who listens, who also thinks, I have problems with food too. I didn't know that other people Mm -hmm. had problems too. I wonder if that's Mm -hmm. for me. Or someone could be listening who's like, oh, you know what? My sister has maybe, well, I'll just say to her, hey, mate, have you heard of OA? Oh, you don't know. So my job as a recovered person is to make sure the compulsive overeater who still suffers is finding ways to be aware this program exists, mm-hmm. you know? So um, that's, yeah, that's service. And then you have to sponsor, like, you know, and, and you have to to be recovered, you know? So... Um, well, that's my experience mm-hmm, anyway. Mm-hmm. So as the result of these steps. So people will say, oh, it's not working for me. You hear it all the time. But you're like, did you even, okay, so how did I step eight go for you? Well, I didn't do that one. Okay, mate, mm-hmm. it's the result of these 12 steps. Oh, I've just done step three, maybe I'll sponsor. Okay, mate, have <laughs> you had a spiritual awakening as a result? Of, did your personality change yet? Um, when your personality changes and you view the world differently, that's when you do service. Yeah. And on that, when did you realise that you'd had that personality change? Um, oh, do you know, it's uh, I went through the steps three times with three different sponsors before I got recovery, you know. So I've been in program five years and I've only been recovered for a year. And you know when you know because you are different and you think of things differently. And you put, you know, the first thing a food addict has to do is put the food down. We have to have a food plan and we have to eat cleanly. So there is no slips for us. If we have a slip, it's like an alcoholic having a shot of whiskey and going, oh, I slipped. No, you didn't, mate. You relapsed, you know. Mm. So putting the food down so that you're clear enough to see what's going on. Um, and then you work the steps rapidly through the big book. That's what happened to me. And then I knew because I, do you know how I knew? Because I laughed all the time. Mm. I knew because I didn't judge other people. I knew because I was friendly and kind and warm and I was none of those things before I came in, you know. So I knew because my personality had changed. Mate, before I came in, I had 32 different jobs, thinking if I just had a different job, then I'd be happy. Now I've had the same job for two years and I absolutely love it. I've never loved a job my whole life, you know. And it's not the job, it's my personality changed, you know. So that's how I knew. Amazing. Well, we are at the end of our show today. That was very high energy because Tammy's high energy. So thanks for bringing that into us today. That was excellent. Um, yeah, my, look, my spiritual awakening was when I realised I was free. Like, I don't have to suffer at all. I'm making all, all this crap up that I'm suffering about. And I could just enjoy every day like I did when I was a tiny little kid. That's mm. that's my one. So I think living free is a good name for the for Absolutely. the show, we get freedom from food obsession. Freedom yeah. is the word we use for yeah. sure. All right, everybody. So um, that's all we've got time for. So thank you very much for coming in today, Tammy. Uh, and thank you, for Mitch, for your lovely questions. Thanks usual. for having me, as usual. Uh, if you're having trouble with compulsive eating, you might like to join Overeaters Anonymous. You can find them at OA. 
www.oa.org.au. All meetings welcome newcomers and the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Uh, coming up in a very short time, we have Balamwa, the Spirit of Wa, hosted by Uncle Taljum Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco on a journey of belonging and movement. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.